This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm joined by the author, Bill Phillips, of a beautiful new book. And the book is called Soul Searching. Tune in to spirit and awaken your inner wisdom. And before we meet Bill, I want to tell you a little bit more about him. Psychic medium Bill Phillips is the author of Expect the Unexpected, Signs from the Other Side, and most recently, as just mentioned, Soul Searching, Tune into Spirit, and Awaken Your Inner Wisdom. His life's mission is to help people deal with the grief of losing loved ones by bringing through validations, evidential information, and beautiful messages from spirit, which heal and bring a sense of peace. He conducts individual and group readings and has appeared on such high-profile television programs as Dr. Phil and Access Hollywood. He lives in Salem, Oregon. Bill Phillips, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. So delightful to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Judy. Let's start at the very beginning. I was so struck at the beginning of the book where you talk about, as a young boy, you had that, I would have to say, traumatic experience on a bus. And it really had me in tears, like right from the get-go. You talked about the abuse you underwent, having to watch things that really no child should ever have to watch. And you did a miraculous thing. You covered your ears and your eyes and a light came to you. And I think that might've been your first experience with the spirit, God, whatever you'd like to call it. That was your savior and you listened. A lot of us don't listen when those moments happen, but you did. Can you tell us about that moment in your very young life that started all of this for you? Absolutely. And I also want to preface this by saying that typically when we go through something traumatic, when we're in this experience where we have no other choice but to surrender, you know, that's when we have access to that energy source. And so for me, it happened at a much younger age. I feel. And it was something that continued to escalate. It wasn't just that moment on the bus. It was also, you know, being kidnapped, being taken across the country, having a lot more challenges, being pulled away from my family on the West Coast and to the East Coast. And one thing that was always a comfort for me was just this going within and knowing that I was being protected. But I I really couldn't explain (laughs) as a child, really. But It was a force field of light. Hmm. So looking back on it in retrospect, that same force field I recognized as spirit. And it's something that's very subtle. It's something that's very much a part of our DNA and who we each are right now on this planet. And so even though it came about in a very turbulent way, that was my access point. And I'm Hmm. very grateful actually for that experience. It's really incredible. It's incredible that you had the experience that you knew that it was something. You didn't have the words or the labels or any of that, but you had the sense 
And, and of course, this is going to help so many people. So I'm just wondering, Bill, if you could tell us about your book, Soul Searching, and what inspired you to write it? Because you've written other books. What was it that prompted you to write this one? You know, my inspiration behind Soul Searching was we were living in a time of great fear when the world shut down, basically. And I was guided by spirit to begin doing global meditations to help people rise above the fear. What spirit kept showing me in their words was this fear cloud that they were helping me ascend above. And so every time that I led this meditation virtually, all of my participants that were all over the world were, would always tell me, I don't want to come back down from that, from beyond that cloud. I want to stay here, you know? And so I, I really began to sit with spirit and, and, and really ponder uh, to reflect how in ways that I have grown and how I have learned spiritually how to kind of maintain that balance, you know. Right. And there is something very special and important because if you think about it, every day we have to have, uh, we have to shower, we have to brush our teeth, you know. We have to have these different hygienes that we have to use to maintain a healthy uh, body. And so um, Soul Searching for me is a guidebook on basically how to maintain that spiritual hygiene that mm -hmm. we all really are doing subconsciously, just not really aware of it. And so I felt that if I gave the reader sort of an insight into my life and my past, that they would probably be able to connect on some level of my experience as well. So that was really my intention behind Soul Searching to help everyone be able to connect with their higher self and to ultimately know that there's more to this world than just being in this physical experience. Absolutely. But it's interesting. It's so accessible. And I want to tell our listeners this, that there's been lots of books written about this sort of thing, but there's something about yours. And I don't know if it's the meditation is at the end of every chapter, the visualizations, the, the concrete work that you can do, that you really guide the reader to do that makes it so accessible. It's amazing. It's not airy-fairy. And uh, in fact, I've already told someone who is experiencing a great deal of grief about this book and about you. And I'm actually hoping that you'll meet with them because I think that oh. you might be able to help them. So you, yeah, there's one meditation off the top, a very powerful one in the book. And you guys will have to get the book to read the full thing, but it's on page 21 to 23 and it's called Letting Go using the flame of transformation. And I'm wondering if not only if you could tell us a bit about this, but maybe even lead us in it. And even if that means reading from the book or just doing like a, an impromptu version of it, but it's very powerful. It really sets up what you need to do to make this happen, which is doable. That's the coolest part. Absolutely. You know, I came across this light source many years ago when I was first understanding my own connection. and. One thing about the violet flame, which is the color of St. Germain, is there's so much possibility for transformation being in that space. And so what I like to do is when I'm in that violet flame of transmutation, I like to allow it just to burn away anything that's not serving my higher good, my highest good. And so it really just comes down to visualizing as deeply within yourself as you can how that color and what it represents to you. So I always like to guide people when we're doing such a meditation, of course, to always get into a nice, comfortable position. 
And I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of the meditation right now, too. We might be exact. But uh, we can focus on our breath. Take a nice, slow, deep breath in and hold. And then as you release your breath, just letting go of all the day before you. Any demands of the outside world, the emails, the grocery list, the text messages, letting it fall away with your exhale, which allows you to enter the present moment. And that's ultimately where we're able to connect the strongest with spirit and with our higher self and our connection to the divine. So start by visualizing yourself on a campground. And you're sitting on a large wooden log. And before you is a beautiful violet flame. It's cool to the touch, but equally as powerful in removing and transmuting anything that does not serve you back to source for healing, for cleansing, for transformation. So as you gaze into this beautiful flame of violet, allow your higher self to bring to the forefront of your mind what is no longer serving you at the moment. This could be a particular emotion, an unhealed trauma that's still weighing heavily on your heart, perhaps a relationship that has ended or the physical loss of a loved one. Hold the image within your mind and surrender this to the violet flame. See the image within your mind surrounded by this beautiful violet flame with the knowing that everything is being cleared away, released, and surrendered for healing and for your highest good, for you to thrive, to live a balanced life between the physical and non-physical, and to know that you always have access to this energy source by simply going within and allowing your higher self to bring the violet flame of transformation to you. Wow. That was lovely. Thank you. That was lovely. Thank you. That was beautiful. That's a powerful, powerful one. Another element of the book that really resonated, all of it does, uh, so there's so much here, is on forgiveness. The turmoil that you went through, not being able to see your mother who was in New York and you were living on the West Coast with your father. And even though you had regular phone calls with her, you were kept from seeing her, like brutal. And you've dedicated this book to her as well, as you did the first, a previous book. How did your work on rebuilding your relationship with your father not only help you forgive him, but also change him as well? And and just as an, an addendum, I want to say that I also love in all of this story that it's an example of how we don't always need someone to apologize in order to forgive them. Can you say more you know, about this? Of course. I have to always say that being also human in this experience, 
Forgiveness is always a work in progress. It's always something that is teetering. It's like a pendulum swinging back and forth, you know? So it's something where I have, for the most part, been able to detach myself from the pain and suffering of that past experience. So one thing that I have learned just from spirit, from my own interpersonal relationships as well, and uh, just on a higher level too, is just knowing that we can never take the actions of those personally around us. So we're all going through our own journey here. And for me, what I found was that if I was able just to like hold my father in a space of love and light, you know, and not really have to go too heavy into the past, that there was a healing that happened as a result of that too, you know? So sometimes we feel like we have to feel the emotion to move forward. But I also feel like our guides around us are also helping us process that information as well, you know? And so... For myself, just knowing that my father in particular had his own set of challenges and his own lessons in this life too really helps me as an individual hold compassion for him at times when my other, perhaps my child self would not want to do that, you know. So it takes takes a lot of really being the bigger person, standing tall, you know, and really understanding that our pathway to forgiving is ultimately what sets us free. Absolutely. And it's so true. And I have some in my life. So I can just really relate to this so much that the push, pull, the seesaw that you want to be forgiving, but it's sometimes very hard because the child goes, but why are they being so mean or why are they doing what they're doing? And does it also just help to, in addition to the love and light, is just to have compassion for the person and to say, almost poor them, they have this set of challenges that's not allowing them to experience life in a more loving and beautiful way. Does that help as well? Just, I, I, and I think the love and light thing that you're talking about is the ultimate, but just actually saying, poor them, does that help in the journey? I, I believe that finding some type of language for ourselves, you know, whether it be what you just referred to or something along the lines of, I, I honor your journey as well as my own, you know, and I hold space for your journey too, versus feeling like someone's above somebody else. I feel like we are all equal Mm -hmm. and we're all one on this journey, you know, and we've all come to this physical experience too with the guise uh, of a role that we play for each person that we encounter as well, you know. So our ego side, our rational side always wants to kind of calculate and come up with this agenda, you know, why someone's wrong or why we should be right. But when we're able to push beyond that part of ourselves and kind of be in the space, in the sweet spot, as I like to refer to it, you know, between these two realms, then we don't feel the, we don't feel pressure to kind of point the finger so much, you know, or blame somebody else. We're, We're sort of in this place of all knowing that we are here and we are experiencing what we are supposed to be in real time. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, that is a, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Also, how does releasing resentment allow us to reclaim the happiness and positivity in our lives? I believe that our, our structure, so our physical body, our etheric body as well, is comprised of so much energy and so many layers of conditioning around us 
because we're all empathic, we're all sponges for energy, we tend to acclimate to our experience. So when we have a hurtful experience happen around us, Mm -hmm. there's a layer that comes over us, you know? And so sometimes when we're in a toxic relationship or we are around someone that we maybe we're giving our power away to, you know, Mm -hmm. those layers will become very thick and dense or these cords of attachment will become very tar-like, you know? And Mm -hmm. So when we're able to release the heaviness of what was given to us, then we have space from within to be able to live our best life, you know, and not to let this like cloak around us from the past kind of pull us down. And I feel like when we're able to really go within and understand our own awareness to our own energy, then we we are very aware and we do not let in what does not serve us. So we become very much stronger in our boundary system with those mm-hmm. around us. You know, it's not personal. It's just a matter of when you recognize how energy affects energy, then you don't want to let in the energy that's no longer serving right. you. Right. But it's almost like you have to develop this muscle, this intuitive muscle in order to do so. What are some tips on how to do that? Visualization is so paramount on this experience. And it's something that we're all capable of doing. Some people don't always believe that, but you know, I, I explain go into your daydream module. We all daydream, you know. We all live in that place within more than in the place on the outside. And so these little visualizations that I was guided to share in soul searching, they're very quick and they're very precise. And I yes. feel like um they're easy too. And so when we are able to give ourselves even like a minute or two a day to access that part of ourselves, yes. it grows stronger. And yes. we, we actually feel more coddled by that energy source. We want to experience more of it. And that energy source is spirit. And that's how we are coexisting with the other side in this moment. Which is so heartening for people who want to connect with people on the other side to know that. I mean, we're going to get to grief and love and all of that later on, but it's wonderful. As mentioned, you have these wonderful meditations at the end of many of your chapters, including one called the Sanctuary of Forgiveness, where we choose to forgive those who have wronged us for the purpose of healing ourselves. That's another beautiful one. And I, I just, I find it fascinating how you write in the book that we can change, we can transform And we can experience transformation by changing a single thought. But that's such a powerful thought that we can do that. Can you talk about how to bring about positive change in our lives through manifestation? Yeah, so I am so keen on intention setting. You know, I do this from the moment that I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed. And it becomes um, sequential where you want to keep doing more and more of it when you see the results happening around you. And an intention can be as simple as just going within and um, saying thank you to yourself, you know. But for me, what I like to do first is surround myself in that light source before I get out of bed in the morning. I like to spend about 30 seconds or so just sort of visualizing like sort of like having a video on fast forward, how my day, you know, will go. And it's really quick and maybe highlight two or three moments within my day that are really bright and positive. And what I find that that does is it really sort of accelerates the vibration and the energy source around me. And then I let go of that. And I trust that how it's going to formulate around me 
on this atomic level is going to be exactly what I need to experience in my day, you know? And and it really goes down to choosing this thought and letting go of the thought that does not serve you. Mm -hmm. But it's also a daily process. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just go away because you visualize. Mm -hmm. It's something that is a reminder that we are living in this physical world, but we still have access to who we are on a soul level. And so when we're able to understand that we are sort of walking this tightrope, right, between our spiritual side and our physical side, I think it's very important for everyone to understand that we're not perfect in that sense. You know, yes, we are perfect beings of light, but being here in this experience, we're going to always constantly be going back and forth between our divinity. And it's always going to look and feel different day to day, mm-hmm. which is why focusing on those thoughts and choosing the thoughts as well are like little radio signals, different channels that you have access to. And when you have access to a different channel, you want to choose that channel more frequently. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very interesting. So you had this very cool experience when the financial aid counselor, Deborah, at your school, I believe this was the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, Mm-hmm. presented you with a check for $25,000, which covered the rest of your tuition for the year. I mean, can you tell us about that? Because that was really <laughs> mind-boggling. Don't answer that just yet. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We're back and this is Finding Your Bliss and I'm here with Bill Phillips who wrote the book Soul Searching. And I was just asking you, Bill, before the break about that serendipitous thing that happened, which you had manifested all along. Can you tell us more about when you were presented with a check for $25,000, which covered the rest of your tuition? You know, it was mind boggling for me too when it happened. And I am so grateful for that experience because it was at a time in my life that was very trying, you know, and very challenging. And again, I did not know how I was going to get through this last year of my schooling. It was like, just, it didn't make any sense to me, but I had just been inspired by watching this documentary. I think that we've all heard of, you know, The Secret. And so I decided to try it in my own way, you know, of what worked for me. And music for me is a really big way that I connect, you know, it helps me get out of my rational mind. It helps me raise my awareness and my vibration. And so I found myself on the way to school every morning, playing classical music and just focusing on what I needed just to get through, you know, and then without really labeling it as such, surrendering that every day too. And I was quiet about it. I didn't share it with 
anybody. And I always tell people, whenever you're wanting to manifest something, keep it to yourself, you know, just truly keep it to yourself. Because once you see the results, it's so much more powerful to share your experience. And that experience in itself will inspire someone else to also go within and do it on their own. So, you know, I was still going between, you know, the pendulum of my fear side and my spiritual side Mm -hmm. of knowing that I was going to be okay still. When I went up to that office and I was sat down, again, I was really struggling between my fear set of like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be like a, I kicked out of school right now. So then being told, no, we actually chose you for this special scholarship and you're going to be okay. You know, for me, it was validation that I was supposed to finish this chapter in my life, you know, and it made the experience so magical for me not to have to put my focus on those earthly concerns and that experience, you know? And so I find, and and I feel like soul searching definitely shows us this too, when we're not focused on those concerns, you know, and like, you know, we're not just here to pay bills and then go back home, you know? When we take our focus off of those basic needs, but we have more of a surrender to them and to Mm -hmm. the universe, Mm -hmm. they tend to always take care of themselves. And the more that we get out of the way of that space and we sort of just ingrain this more positive mindset and more of this sort of flow mindset, it's amazing what comes into our orbit. You know, Mm -hmm. it's amazing what naturally occurs to us when we get out of the way. What seeds did you put in place? Like, did you pray? Did you meditate? Did you, what, what seeds did you put in place that you think led to this happening? Honestly, what it was for me was visualizing the number within my mind that I needed for this to happen. And it was the exact number that was presented to me that day. So that, you know, and it doesn't always work that way, but for whatever reason in that experience, I feel like I was being tested as well, perhaps by my guides, you know, and by the universe to show myself that I'm a powerful creator and a powerful manifester, but we all are, and we all have that ability within. It's amazing too, when you access the child within, the really imaginative one where there's no limitations and you sit in that space. It's incredible what will happen Mm -hmm. when you focus on it and you believe that you are capable of such a thing. It's fabulous. That's just such a fabulous thought. I'm a life coach and I'm just imagining just sharing what you just said with a client, just about, you know, taking that easel and that, you know, and just draw, you know, just whatever you want, what's on that page, make it happen. Use the child in you and the creativity and your manifesting and your manif- imagination to, to wish for it. And it can work. It's really fabulous. What was your favorite classical music to listen to at the time? You know, for me, there was so much, but I remember putting on Mozart, you know, in the morning and that really helped. You know, Mozart in general is so good for how it rewires our brain chemistry too. You know, it it was designed that way actually for us. And then I would also put on a lot of Puccini and a lot of Wagner, Uh, a a lot of things I was being immersed in as as a young musician and as a young singer, for sure. My daughter just sang Puccini at an opera festival in the Luningiana in Tuscany, Italy. So that's all the things that you're saying are just uh, incredible. You write in the book that Oprah Winfrey writes, what I know for sure is that words matter. And when they're written, not just spoken, when they're written, they last forever. So how important is it to speak, to say 
positive affirmations? And how can we create our own positive affirmations to make them more real and authentic? I always say less is more, you know, honestly. And so if we can get out of the way of like having to be, you know, not a paragraph as an affirmation, but maybe a couple words or maybe just one word as well, you know, to focus on one word to you that sort of conjures up the energy source. So for every person that's going to look and feel different, you know, some might focus on the word success, you know, because that to them has a great deal of meaning behind it. And then perhaps within your mind space, holding that word or that or the vibration of that word within, you are literally sending out the signal to the universe because you're vibrating on the level of energy that word means to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also important to know, too, is that I always say time, within my opinion, is a man-made construct. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not really living. We think we have to live on a times table of, you know, agreeing with calendars and clocks and things like Mm -hmm. that. But at the end of the day, though, it just, it's not real. It's not real in the sense of we don't, on a soul level, live our lives second to second. It's mostly imprint to imprint or experience to experience. And the reason that really rings true for me is when I'm channeling for other people and, you know, bringing through spirit too, they're always talking about things, perhaps signs or symbols or events that typically take place once we're done, you know? And so that's always their way of trying to really build our authentic faith that they're with us. And that's always so exciting, actually. I just finished a reading for a family yesterday and this woman's son came through and he was talking about dragonflies with her as his symbol. And she broke out in tears and explained just how significant it was just recently, the past past few weeks. And his message was that when you see three of them together, it was him plus her parents um, coming coming around to her. And during the session, she was sitting on on her balcony. She was just dumbfounded. Three dragonflies came after her during our session. And again, it just brought so much comfort and so much validation, you know. So sometimes it happens in real time. A lot of times it happens when it's supposed to happen, when we need that confirmation the most, or when maybe we're doubting the most as well, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Lovely. Just lovely. It also takes the pressure off and you say, it doesn't have to happen within the calendar year. It does. And that I believe that's part of surrendering too, is also surrendering the calendar as well and, and the clock. And I think that's really what gets people to stop believing or kind of thwarts their their efforts as when it's not happening on their timetable, you know, which is all a construct of the ego and yeah. of control. Amazing. So I'm just a believer in gratitude as being such a huge pathway to bliss. Bliss, of course, that you talk about in your seventh chakra, which is the ultimate goal. And I want to talk to you about chakras after. But gratitude, how important is it And how do we create a gratitude bank, as you call it? I love that image that we can always turn to. Whenever I go into gratitude, I am, I'm a really big color person. And so what always comes to mind for me is a gold energy, you know? And so when I sat with that with spirit and I was writing soul searching, I was really going into the visualization of what really, of what that meant for me. And for me, plugging in that gold light into my consciousness is so powerful. And it really does have a domino effect as well, where you're able to experience more of it 
by going within and just simply taking stock of what's around you right now. What do you have in the moment? We all have something. It's literally your breath, your, you know, your life force right now is a huge blessing, way more than people want, you know, want to accept at times too, but it really is. Yes. And from that place, the snowball effect happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I will go throughout my day and now it's become more subconscious for me when I'm saying thank you. I will see a spark of gold energy within myself, you know? Yes. And so for soul searching and for the gratitude frequency, I have had other people try it too. I've had people write to me that have read soul searching and they've had amazing results with it. And it's so simple to do as well. Wonderful. Just so wonderful. What does praying it forward mean? Not paying it forward, but praying it forward. It's a great question. You know, a lot of people, we've all heard of giving an act of kindness, you know, and for some people, they think that they have to go buy someone's coffee in front of the Starbucks. So they have to pay for someone's gas or something like that. But the cool thing about energy and about an energy transaction is that it doesn't have to be physical, you know? So a lot of times when we're praying for somebody else or we're asking to be a prayer in action for somebody else too, it's amazing how our guidance system and how our guide, how the universe will direct us randomly one day when maybe you decide to take a different way home from work mm-hmm. and then boom there's experience there you run into somebody you just the act of like a smile on your face change their life you know it's okay. so subtle a lot of times but it could also be done energetically as well so literally holding somebody within your mind sending them love and light mm. praying for them yes Yes. It's also reminding me of that moment in the loving kindness meditation where, you know, you think about sending loving energy to a loved one that you picture, that you visualize, and then sending it to somebody difficult or somebody that really needs the help. And it's very powerful and it does have a ripple effect even when you're not with them. Yeah. And it's a way to sort of disconnect the energy as well. So if you think of somebody that really strikes a nerve with you for whatever reason, you know, or maybe it's someone from the past who really did a lot of damage to, or just maybe it's someone in, in the workplace as well. I, I like to always visualize them and sending them as much white light as I can, almost to a point where like, it's just invisible at that point, you know? And I find that what that does even karmically as well is if we can think a positive thought or wish well for other people, it always has a ricochet effect back towards us. Mm -hmm. But when we do the opposite, when we let our ego get into the driver's seat and we, you know, want to, you know, think of something bad or, you know, which everyone has that within their mind on an ego level at times. When we can thwart that with our true essence of that light source, it's so amazing because it helps us disconnect from them. And it also helps us heal as well. Mm-hmm. And talk about creating space when we have that extra space within where we're not blaming somebody or pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much of our own energy source we can direct towards what we want to have in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Just brilliant stuff. So not everyone feels that they have spirituality within them or that they're connected spiritually. But you say we all have a spiritual web. What does that mean and how can it work for us? We're going to find out all about how that can work for us when we come back from our commercial break. Back in a moment. 
Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740, and I'm here with Bill Phillips, author of Soul Searching. And just before the break, I was asking you, Bill, about what a spiritual web means and how it can work for us. The spiritual web was the concept that actually, in hindsight, I remember being 18 years old and having my true awakening in that year. And I remember feeling as if I had spider webs all over my face. And it's something where I walked outside and I was like having to like touch my face. I, I felt so much of the spider web effect on my face. Hmm. Later on, I had someone share with me that was sort of that that was the experience that you have lifting the veil and entering the other realm, you know, and having that spiritual experience. So the concept that came to me was how we're all connected, you know, even physically here, we're also connected spiritually as well to our spiritual web. And that web consists of our loved ones we've known in this life that have transitioned, cheering us on and helping us. It also consists of ascended masters, you know, these really highly evolved souls that came here to change humanity too, to our angels, to the angelic realm too, that never have been in a physical incarnation. They're the highest, brightest light and vibration available to us. A lot of times we'll see them as sparks of light around us too with the naked eye. And just knowing that we have that support system around us, even if we don't always feel it, we can go with it. You know, we can put our hands over our hearts. We can go and we can access that space within. And the same way that our heart lights up with so much of this electrical current that mm-hmm. kind of creates the same web-like visualization, that visualization is also how we are supported by the other side. This is so cool. Okay, now I understand why you've been on Dr. Phil. First of all, what was he like and what was it like doing that show? Oh my gosh, this is the blast from the past. It was <laughs> exhilarating. It was so, such an amazing, rushing experience. It was so lovely to to be part of something so big and also to help people as well and to spread the word. You know, it was wonderful. He was such a phenomenal person and truly just wants to help others. It was a delight. He's a kindred truly. spirit, right? That's why you knew that because oh, you're one as well. Yes. You say that our conscious self needs to acknowledge our subconscious self in order to connect spiritually. That's very important to to note that. Can you tell us more about this? Absolutely. So basically, when you have this awareness of the both these different spheres of who we are, so we have our rational side and we have our subconscious side. And once we understand and we're able to discern what those two facets of ourself look and feel like, 
then we're able to understand that sometimes what we're thinking is not really what we are thinking, right? <laughs> it's worth having an awareness of what, of how our physical mind works and operates. And then rising above that consciousness, rising above that chatter, when we're able to discern that and rise above it, then we're able to really enter that sweet spot again energetically where we just see that we are a beacon of light in the world. You know, we're all these beacons of light that are here to make the world a brighter place. So cool. Meditating is really at the heart of so much of this. And you're a serious meditator. I mean, going back to the very beginning of this interview, you were a little child on the bus. And I guess that was almost like a form of meditation, connecting with that white light, protecting yourself from the outside noise and just being present, being mindful. It's a practice meditation. You describe it as a practice that disconnects us from the rational part of our being and of our minds. Why is this so important? And what can you tell people who are not meditators on how to begin meditating and why it's so important? Well, I first want to say that meditation is something that is very personal to the individual. Mm -hmm. there, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's basically a way that you're able to just be within and disconnect from the outside world. And so for many people, it'll look different. For some, it'll be running and being in that runner's sort of space or that yes. runner's high, as they call it, you know? Yes. For some, it'll be exercising too. It might be writing or journaling. Or perhaps it's sitting in the lotus position to going within <laughs> and meditating, you know, yeah. for some, it's sitting in the shower and contemplating in the shower. You know, the water is a very strong conduit of energy as well. So mm -hmm. many people are doing it subconsciously when they are washing away, you know, what's on them physically. They're also washing away energetically what no longer serves them. But having the intention behind it, I believe that really is what meditation is. It's having an active intention to disconnect mm -hmm. from the outside world and to go within. And, you know, it is not to be done for an hour, you know, although many people do it for an hour or longer, which I think is wonderful. But we also live in a world where, you know, timing is of the essence. And so... It's important to fit it in when you can, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 10 seconds here, a minute there mm -hmm. type of concept. That's my brand of meditation. A few minutes here, a few minutes there, but it adds up, it accumulates, right? The more you do it. What does your meditation practice look like? It's always, it's actually always changing for me, you know, mm -hmm. like I typically will spend my Mondays really sort of getting everything lined up for the week ahead, you know? Mm -hmm. So I find myself, chanting a lot actually on Mondays. Although I chant every day, Mondays for me are kind of my pivotal point to get everything lined up. So for me, chanting is a form of meditation too, you know, because what it does is it sort of manipulates the vibration around us. Mm -hmm. It helps still our mind. It helps us connect. So that is a very big way that I meditate. I also like to spend a few minutes, um, maybe before I begin my day of channeling for other people too, just to ground myself as well. And so that will look like me plugging into the earth, you know, mm -hmm. and sort of sending this signal down my, my, my core down into the earth as well and letting that and then releasing any kind of frenetic energy that I'm holding on to, mm -hmm. letting it ground and then letting the light take over, basically. That's always my way of knowing that I'm protected and I'm connected. Mm, it's lovely. And I love mantras in meditation. 
And I'm wondering, and you talk about this in the book, can you speak to the power of mantras and especially the Om Shanti Om mantra, which is a peace mantra that brings a sense of peace to mind, body, and spirit? You know, just chanting the sound of Om is really powerful in itself as well. Mm -hmm. I feel that once we're in that space, it absolutely helps us live in the same vibration of the universe, you know, and feeling that hum kind of flow through you as well. Then anything else beyond that is the icing on the cake, so to speak, you know? Mm -hmm. So Om Shanti Om is a great one for peace. So hum is a great one too. It's very simple, you know? I personally will chant the Ganesh mantra every day as well, the Om Gam Ganapatai Namaha. That really for me is, what I find that it does is it helps me not put any kind of concern on anything. It helps you to sort of surrender any earthly things that are going with me to that energy source as well. And I like to say it's like the magic wand or the genie in the bottle, which you did the most. Ganesh is very powerful in that. But there's other ones too that I use that are personal for me as well. And so I find that when people are being guided to chant mantras, that There's so many more possibilities there that will be very unique for them and their journey. Lovely, lovely. So tapping into our intuition is so important. What are some ways that we can do this? Because you say in the book that there's a strong connection between intuition and self-trust. So what are some ways that we can become more intuitive? You know, I believe that our intuition is already there. It's already It's just in the background because we're conditioned to think in a different way. But naturally, it's the breath that we take. It's so simple and so ingrained into who we are that when we're able to release and let go of the layers of this physical conditioning around us, you know, or perhaps someone being in your head about something to letting go and kind of kind of formulating your own voice within that's when it activates because then you know for sure that when you trust yourself your your most confident self and when you're living in that space the information is coming through you already day to day simultaneously but when you're present you're able to plug into it and understand exactly what it is so the thoughts that you're experiencing that come to you out of the blue and the feelings associated with those thoughts that is how your intuition works Mm One thing I know for sure to use Oprah's words is if we, as you write, if we can find that moment of stillness, we can access unlimited energy sources. It's really quite incredible what happens. Mm-hmm. So what is your best tip for how to access that stillness and go within? It would be through the breath, I believe. So if we're able to really be conscious of our breath and not to let our breath stop, to let it be continuous. And the space between our inhale and our exhale, that's where we're able to find the stillness actually is in that space Mm -hmm. for me anyway. So I know that when I teach this as well to people that they as well have the aha moment of just how focused they can be if they're deeply embedded in their breath. You say your life's mission is to help people deal with the grief of losing loved ones by bringing through validations, evidential information, and beautiful messages from spirit, which heal and bring a sense of peace. What advice do you have for people 
who are having a hard time letting go of people? That's a great question. And I, my advice to anyone who's struggling with that, or perhaps they're in a situation right now that's toxic to them too, where they can't find the way out or they feel or, or they've been conditioned to think that they can't exist without the other individual, for example, you know, is to understand that the way that the universe works and the way that spirit works around us, as well as our committee is, they're always there to guide us to whom we need to learn and grow with. But I also believe too, that there's always a season as well. You know, sometimes we have these lifelong connections. But a lot of the time though, we have soulmates that we come into contact with Mm -hmm. to learn how to forgive and to learn how to love ourselves unconditionally. And then they may disappear one day. And we are, because of how we are programmed, we tend to, on default, live in the past, you know? And so I would encourage anyone to know that was then, this is now, when you're present and when you're in this present moment too, you have the full reign to attract and bring other people, other souls into your experience that are there to serve you. And the more that we have an awareness over, okay, this person came into my life to help me heal my daddy issue. This person came into my life to help me heal my mommy issue or whatever it may be. And we're able to have that awareness. Then we're able to let them go because we understand how and why they were there in the first place. So in your chapter, Grief is Love, can you speak to how to cope with immense grief and heal from the loss of a great love? So let's say this person, it's not just healing from an issue. It's someone who's an angel on this planet. I'm thinking of someone now who is mother, wife, best friend, community person, humanitarian, an angel who died way too soon. And, and I love that you say grief is love. The extent that we grieve is the extent that we loved. And that somehow was reassuring, but how do you cope and survive the immense grief, even if it may be love from the loss of this human being who's no longer physically present? It's always a process. It's a lifelong process. There will always be a hole in our hearts that we will have to navigate around. Doesn't matter how long ago the transition was, but I like to always equate it with this grief energy, this tremendous pain that we feel on the inside. I actually have a different interpretation of it. My interpretation of it is the feeling of this unconditional love that we have for that soul and for the individual. That's so overwhelming that it prompts us to release. It prompts us to shed tears. It prompts us to think back on the good times as well. And those experiences, grief in itself, although it's very challenging at times, I also believe it has a great gift to us too, because it allows us to go back and it allows us to cherish those moments. And also what grief does for us too, is it helps us understand that any day can be our last day physically on this earth. And so when we have that belief system within ourselves, then we live to the fullest, but we also treat people around us with that same level of kindness, with love. We say, I love you before we end the conversation. <laughs> you know, we're just very intentional with our energy and we let go of the small things because we realize 
that connection is why we're here and it never it, it can never be destroyed it's always there and our loved ones around us are always there to validate that concept to us too if we're open to it it's lovely that's really really lovely yeah. i'm just wondering what you think is the main golden nugget i'm saying gold now even even more so because of your beautiful image of gold <laughs> which i'll always think of now that you want people to get from your book, Soul Searching, Tune Into Spirit, and Awaken Your Inner Wisdom. If there was one thing, what would it be? Your intention in life is everything. It is the platform. It is the canvas to your life. And we have come into this physical experience to literally bring light and manifest what we want to experience in this world. When we're able to be aware of that and conscious of it and lead with a pure and open heart, then we have succeeded with our mission here, Mm -hmm. you know, in this very short time, because we're here for a very short time, you know, Mm -hmm. and when we understand that and take stock of it and know that we can sprinkle that light with every experience that we have, even if we have a different association with it, then we know that we are in more control of our experience and what we allow into our orbit. What is bliss for Bill Phillips? Oh, there's so much that's bliss for me. For me, helping others and being a channel for others will always be my ultimate bliss in this world. But also music for me is bliss. Being with my dogs that are my fur children is my bliss. With my partner is my bliss. So I have so much around me that I'm so blissed out about in my life. Um, And I am very grateful for that. Your seventh chakra is alive and well, isn't it? I I believe so. Yes. That's really great. What is the best way for people to connect with you to get a copy of your book, Soul Searching, and to connect with you on social media? It's all going to be through my website, which is just my name, BillPhillips.com. It's with one L and two P's with Phillips. So you'll have someone else entirely different. Um, And that's the best way that people can connect with me to receive my daily inspiration via Facebook and Instagram. And to see me perhaps at a, you know, at a public event, at a workshop or for a personal session. Thank you, Bill, for being here today. It's really been a pleasure to have you, an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. It was, it was an honor myself. Thank you. Thank you. Each week we spotlight somebody like Bill Phillips who is helping people find their bliss. So if you're an author or an artist or a mindfulness meditation expert or life coach or anybody like that, we'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're a singer or a musician, as you know, we love to feature singers and musicians on this show. Just write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also Life Coach. You can reach out to me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. And you can find me on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And as well, of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Bill Phillips, who wrote the book, Soul Searching, Reconnecting to the Purest Version of Ourselves. Thank you for being on the show today. Also, thanks to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie. Producer Olivia Weatherall, audio engineer Juliana Yanis-Yellow, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.